your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. You're a win as a Raider. Pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. What's up, Raider Nation? Welcome into Friday's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast. It is September 17, 2021. Your boy Q here. As always, you know you can find me on Twitter, as many of you do, at your boy Q254. Also, you can always hit up that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Here on this Friday, ready to close out the week really strong as the Raiders prepare to fly to Pittsburgh, go to the East Coast, play in Heinz Field, 10 a.m. kickoff on the West Coast. Raiders, Pittsburgh Steelers, both teams are 1-0 on the season. Something's got to give. Someone's going to be 1-1. Someone's going to be 2-0 when it's all said and done. Here to talk about that game for sure uh, coming up on the show. But coming up in segment number three of today's show, we have calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line. Got plenty of feedback, so we're going to try to get to that quick, fast, and hurry coming up in segment number three. Segment number two, want to give you the keys to the game, how I think that the Raiders could travel to the East Coast and pick up a victory at Heinz Field, what they need to do, even though they got a bunch of injuries they're dealing with, what they're going to have to do to be able to get a victory. Going to talk about that, plus talk about why this Sunday's game is very, very special to me. We'll talk all about that coming up in segment number two of today's show. Here in segment number one, news and notes of the day, and it's really all about the injury report. Of course, that came out again. They have it on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Then they have a game status on Sunday morning. But uh, yeah, an injury report that's very long again. So we'll uh, just go ahead and jump right into it. Off top, want to go over the guys that did not participate in practice again on Thursday. Guard Richie Incognito still dealing with that calf injury. He's a guy that's really going to be needed on Sunday for the Raiders as they don't have Denzel Good. As Denzel Good's on IR with a torn ACL, but another day goes by without Richie Incognito practicing. Just kind of feels like the inevitable is going to happen where he's not going to play. And it sounds like, again, it's going to be the John Simpson show. But we'll see what happens later on today at practice. I will be there, so I'll be able to kind of give you a firsthand account of what happens at practice but Richie Incognito did not participate on Thursday also did not participate running back Josh Jacobs he's dealing with the toe and the ankle injury linebacker Nick Kwiatkowski dealing with a concussion injury did not participate he probably won't play if he's got a concussion probably won't play but again I'll find out more today at practice quarterback Marcus Mariota who's dealing with the quad injury he did not participate and it was put out there on a Thursday that he's going to miss a few weeks with that quad injury and I'll say this before I continue on this injury report for me And this is just me speaking. I haven't heard anything from anybody. This is just me and and the way I feel about this situation. This Marcus Mariota experience, as, as far as the backup quarterback, in my opinion, is really ran its course. He's made a lot of money to play one game and one snap. I mean, that is all he's done. He was injured when he got to the Raiders in 2020. He was injured most of the season in 2020. Played in week, week 15 when Derek Carr got injured. He came in and should have won the game, but he didn't win the game. Showed what he could do. Showed why people were excited about him being the backup quarterback with the Raiders. And then, well, he just wasn't healthy and didn't play anymore. And only played one snap. One stinking snap on Monday and got injured again, and now he's going to be out for a few more weeks. I'm just kind of at my wits end as far as this Marcus Mariota thing goes. Everyone knows who's listened to me for a long time. I always say your best ability is availability, and I'm sorry, Raider Nation, Marcus Mariota is just not available. I think that the money that they gave him, they could have used somewhere else. You know, I just, I'm kind of over it. Yes, it'd be a great idea. He'd be a great red zone guy. He'd be great to be, come in and, you know, packages like he did on Monday, had a nice 31-yard run. But if he can't be available, he's just no good to you. 
He could be all that potential in the world, but if he can't get on the field and stay on the field, then what's the point? I just, I'm just over it. I really am. I honestly could do a whole segment on how I'm over it. I, I like Marcus Mariota. I think he's a good dude. Uh, I think that the whole team really likes him, and I think they all know he has a bunch of potential, but potential doesn't do anything if he can't get on the field. So that's my little spiel on Marcus Mariota. If they were to move on from him, I know they got guaranteed money behind him, but if they were to move on from him, I would not be upset. With all that being said, he did not participate because he got the quad injury on Thursday, and he's not going to participate today either. Uh, Roderick Teamer, he's got an ankle injury he's dealing with. He did not participate either. He's a safety. Uh, that's another reason why, as I mentioned before, I think on the Thursday show, HaHa ha Clinton Dix is on the practice squad. Wouldn't be surprised to see that guy moved up. I just wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised to see HaHa ha Clinton Dix moved up just so they have some more depth at that safety position because they do have a bunch of guys banged up throughout the whole team, not just one unit, but throughout the whole team. So those are the guys who did not participate. Obviously going to pay a lot of attention to Josh Jacobs to see where he's at later on today as he's dealing with that toe and ankle injury. Now, the guys that were limited, fullback Alec Ingold, he's dealing with a fibula injury, so that's something to kind of pay attention to. Uh, also, guys that were limited, how about... Carl Nassib, defensive end Carl Nassib. He's got the pectoral and toe injury. Uh, defensive end Yannick Ngakwe is dealing with the hamstring injury. He was limited. And I'll say this about Yannick. Even though he's limited and there's a chance he does not play on Sunday, he was out there. And Cassie Soto, who I have on Raider Nation Radio 920 all the time, she's a weekly guest. She actually put out a video. You can look at it on her Twitter account, at underscore Cassie Soto, where Ngakwe had his, his leg and his hamstring really heavily taped up. She even made the joke on when she was on the show on Thursday and said, I don't think there's any more tape available in Las Vegas because he has so much tape. And he had a rod kind of stabilizing his hamstring as well. But he was out there practicing, again, on a limited basis. She said he went through drills and then he went into the weight room with the trainer, came back out and continued to practice. And she was impressed by that. And why I bring this up and why I talk about it in a, in a, a deep extent and kind of go deep into this conversation, because what does that tell you about him? He's a guy that's a big-time free agent. He's got a big name. He's obviously uh, consistently has eight or nine sacks a season. He's a big-time player. He could have easily said, hey, coach, I'm not feeling it. Uh, I'm not going to practice today, you know, and just sat that one out. He could have gone to the training room and just chilled and tried to get better and get some treatment. But instead, he wanted to be out there with his brothers, and I think that that says a lot. And if you're one of those players that is on this injury list and you're not playing and you can go and you can participate – and you see a guy like Unique Ngakwe out there, you better get out there. Who are you to sit out if Ngakwe is out there? Knowing Ngakwe is one of the best players on that defensive side of the ball. If he's out there busting his tail with a hamstring injury, you should probably be out there unless you just can't go. So that kind of gives that, that motivation without even saying a word to other players on the team that, hey, if I can go, you can go. So I really respect that from Ngakwe. That's leadership, even though, like I said, he might not play on Sunday, but just being out there at practice was a big deal. I'll ask John Gruden about that in, in general just today when we meet with him. We should be meeting with him around 12-15. Uh, so I'll ask him, unless someone else asks him, say, hey, what did you think about Ngakwe practicing, even though you know he's got a hamstring injury, he could have easily sat that one out, and nobody would have said a word to him. Denzel Perriman, the linebacker, he has a hip injury. He was limited as well on Thursday. And then Darius Phylon, he's actually a new addition to the injury report. He has a knee injury, and he was limited on Thursday. Actually hurt his knee in practice. That's something to pay attention to because that dude was a heck of a player. Uh, I think he did a good job on Monday night against the Ravens, and I think that the Raiders really need him. So definitely want to pay attention. That's another guy, defensive tackle Darius Phylon. 
Now, I did want to bring you a little bit of audio from Thursday's media session. Defensive coordinator Gus Bradley talked to the media. Offensive coordinator Greg Olson. Offensive lineman Jeremiah Illuminor, who's going to be in there instead of uh, Denzel Good. He came in on Monday's game when uh, Denzel Good went out, and then he went out of the game when Good returned uh, for 10 more snaps, and then he left the game. So Illuminor did a pretty good job. He met with the media, and then safety Jonathan Abram also. So definitely want to give you some audio from Gus Bradley, the defensive coordinator, because the defense was something that I was pretty impressed with, at least what I saw from Monday night. So Gus Bradley was asked what he thought of the performance of his defense on Monday. Well, I think first and foremost, we want a defense that plays fast. And that's just understanding the game, understanding what we're asking of them. Uh, a lot of times we look at just by, you know, the attempts of going for the ball. You know, we got a couple of fumbles that we caused. So it, it appeared we played fast. I thought we played very good assignment football. Um, you know, they got some yards and points, but overall, I think that was the overall theme is that we played with really good effort. And I thought we played, you know, based on the game plan, what we wanted to do, and we executed fairly well. There's never always there. You know, there's things we got to work on, but overall, you know, that part was good. So there was Gus Bradley on what he saw from his defense on Monday night. You heard him right there at the end. There's things to clean up, but for the most part, he was pretty pleased with the way that they were playing and the way that they were out there playing fast. So he was asked about preparing for Big Ben, and that's who the next quarterback is up for the Raiders. They had Lamar Jackson on Monday night. So what is the difference in preparing for Big Ben as opposed to Lamar Jackson? Yeah, it's just a completely different offense that we're facing. I mean, a very explosive, uh, you know, different style of quarterback, strong, um, you know, can extend plays, like you said, by stepping up in the pocket. Um, you know, you have to have a plan on him as far as pressure, just like we had last week. So he's just very accurate, does a great job with his quarterback, with his eyes, you know, so it's a whole new set of challenges with him. So the good thing is Raider defenders don't have to worry about chasing him around the yard like they did Lamar Jackson. Problem is, is he's got a lot of arm talent, and he could pinpoint that ball. He's very accurate, as you just heard defensive coordinator Gus Bradley just say. He knows how to speak to his, his wide receivers without saying a word. He's got that eye language. I mean, he's just really good at using body language, eye motion, arm motion to really manipulate the defense. So the Raiders, they definitely got their work cut out for him. It's just a different animal uh, from what they saw on Monday night with Lamar Jackson. Now, uh, this is a guy that I wanted to talk about, and he's another guy that I could probably talk about for a whole segment, but Cleve Furl. There's a lot of controversy some folks think that you know he had a back injury and that's why he didn't play on Monday night others like myself believe he was a healthy scratch so Vinny Bonsignor and credit to Vinny he uh, he asked Gus Bradley straight up what does Clee need to do to get back on the field and I'll let you judge if he was injured on Monday night or if he was a healthy scratch based off of Gus Bradley's answer so here's Bradley on what Clee needs to do to get back on the field well he, he's having a good week of practice this week I think for us you know just monitoring that and deciding you know at that point, you know, maybe the needs, what we see, um, you know, we felt like this was a team that could really just line up and pound us last week. So, you know, that's on a week-to-week -week basis. But he, he's practicing really well, and he practiced well today. Now I ask you, Raider Nation, did that sound like a guy that, well, he just needs to be healthy to be out there? Did that sound like that answer to you? It didn't sound like that to me. It sounded like he said, well, he's had a week, good week of practice. Like maybe he didn't have a good week of practice leading up to that Baltimore Ravens game. He talked about the need being there where maybe the need was different last week because the team was going to go right at him. I mean, it sounded like to me, and again, this is just my gut feeling, that Klee was a healthy scratch. And I know that he was listed on the injury report with a back injury, but he also was a full participant in practice every single day. As he's been a full participant in practice every single day this week. So I 
just feel like they said, okay, yeah, we'll go ahead and sit him on down because he didn't have the week of practice that we really wanted him to do. And there's other guys out there that are hungry. Uh, of course, with the status of Ngakwe up in the air, it sounds like Cleve Furrow's probably going to play, and they probably need him to play this week. And again, Gus Bradley went back to it could be a need to a need type situation each and every week. So, I mean, that lets you know all you really need to know that it was not necessarily about an injury. It was more of a healthy scratch as the way, as far as I'm concerned, the way it sounds from Gus Bradley. My final little soundbite that I want you to hear is Damian Square. It's Gus Bradley on defensive tackle Damian Square, who was just signed to the team. He's a guy that Gus Bradley's familiar with because of their time with the Chargers. So what does Gus Bradley like about defensive tackle Damian Square? He's a, he's a guy that can play multiple positions. He can play nose, three, big end. At this point in time, with some of the injuries he comes in, I think he's a quick study, you know, as far as understanding what we're asking of the position. Um, you know, he could, he could step in and play, you know, fairly, fairly quickly, uh, you know, if needed. So he just brings that part of it. Really tremendous leader. The D-line group as a whole, very, very good group. Very close-knit group, very uh, uh, into the details, and he brings that along with it, so he'll fit in good with that group. So there's Gus Bradley talking about defensive tackle. Damian Square, new to the team, taking the role of Gerald McCoy as he's on IR with the knee injury he's done for the season. Uh, this guy is very versatile, which is something that's important to Bradley. He's familiar with them, and he'll fit in with the bunch, which is a, a very important thing because they are a very tight-knit group. So that was something that was very important. Now, I know I said that was my final soundbite, but I did want you to hear one soundbite from safety Jonathan Abram, and it's not very long. It's only about 15 seconds. He was asked about the overall confidence of the defense and if he feels like it's different than what it was last year his answer is very interesting um i feel a, a confidence level in the entire building um it's a total you know we got new coaches around you know guys who care about each other we got some guys we brought in from free agency some draft picks um everybody pretty much you know they under, we all understand our role you know we all trying to do our part to help this team win you know get to where we, where we need to be so there's Jonathan Abram right there talking about not only the confidence on defense, but the confidence in the building. I think that's very important. I also love to hear a very focused Jonathan Abram. I've mentioned it multiple times throughout the course of the training camp and preseason. He sounds like a different dude. He looks like a different dude. He's just, he's got a different approach. And I know a lot of people think I don't like Jonathan Abram. I do. I actually hope that he succeeds. I hope he's a hell of a player. I hope he could be that Jamal Adams type guy but just haven't seen it yet. And I love to hear him sound as focused as he is and look the same part when he's out there on the field. And even in practice, he just looks like he's really laser focused. So I could really appreciate what I've been seeing so far from Jonathan Abram, who, by the way, low key, kind of quietly had a really good game on Monday night. If you go back, he did a really good job on defense. So shout out to him in the first game uh, under the Gus Bradley regime on the defensive side of the ball for one Jonathan Abram. So that's all I got for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast news and notes of the day coming up in segment number two going to talk about the game on Sunday against the Steelers how the Raiders could come up with a victory and go to 2-0 and on the season and why this game on Sunday is so important you'll get all of that coming up in segment number two I'm going to tell you right now though about something that's important as well and that is Built Bar and you can go to BuiltBar.com you can check out all the great flavors of the protein bar that they have available right now nine delicious flavor like salted caramel coconut double chocolate coconut almond peanut butter brownie mint brownie cherry raspberry and uh, sometimes they have the limited time flavor as well you just got to check the website early you got to check the website often they've had the banana cream pie marshmallow puffs those are available and right now they got a mint 
Marshmallow Puff available. So uh, you can check those out today, BuiltBar.com. Make sure you use the promo code LOCK15 when you go to check out. But if you happen to be watching a, a football game like you were watching Thursday Night Football, Washington and New York, and you just want a snack, Built Bar is the thing for you. It's a really good tasting protein bar that tastes like a candy bar and looks like a candy bar, but it's a protein bar, so you don't have to feel bad about snacking on it while you're watching the game. Uh, it's not a candy bar. It is good for you, a protein bar. BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCK15 to save 15% on your checkout. Again, at BuiltBar.com. Segment number two, it's on the way. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we go. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Time to give you some keys to victory for the Raiders. Keys to the game on Sunday, what I'll be paying attention to. I'll be sitting there in Heinz Field. I'll be in the press box and what I'll be paying attention to, how the Raiders could come away with the victory. Now, first and foremost, I'll say they got to start a lot faster than they did on Monday night. I'm going to give them a pass for starting off as slow as they did offensively because I just think that it was a lot of rust that they had to shake off from not having any preseason action. But I don't think Pittsburgh and their fans there at at, uh, Heinz Field are going to allow them to be able to get themselves into a rhythm when they want to. You know what I'm saying? Like if that if that crowd gets going and gets lathered up when the Raiders are all of a sudden struggling offensively because the Steelers defense is playing really well and they can't get anything going like they weren't able to get anything cooking in the first half, really, for the uh, the game on Monday night. I think that the Raiders could be in some trouble because that crowd is going to be a factor. Just like I mentioned that I think Raider Nation could be a factor and and help affect the game on uh, on Monday at Allegiant Stadium, I think that this crowd at Heinz Field, and I know there's going to be a lot of Raider Nation represent at Heinz Field. I get that. But it's still a home game for the Steelers, and they're going to represent in a major way. They're going to try to affect the game. So, you know, this is one of them road games, man. This is a tough one. They're going east, so they got to start early. You know, maybe they get a little bit of um, jump start because they have been doing a lot of practice during training camp uh, early in the morning so maybe they're kind of used to getting their bodies going that might help a little bit I will say uh, the past you know few years I feel like they've done a lot better with the early games it's not much of a factor or as much of a factor as it was uh, previous years where it was a big deal where you knew oh man it's an early west coast game they ain't gonna win this one you know they're not gonna wake up to the third quarter we knew that for a fact for a while and the last couple years even going back to when Jack Del Rio was the head coach it feels like that hasn't been the case anymore so I think that that'll play a little bit of a role, but more importantly, the Raiders got to get off to a quick start offensively. Defensively, I think that they still need to do what they did on, on Monday against Lamar Jackson. They've got to make Big Ben uncomfortable. And I don't know who the, that's going to be. I don't know who the guy or guys that are going to be responsible for making that happen. Of course, everyone's going to be paying attention to Max Crosby coming off the AFC Defensive Player of the Week award, two sacks and multiple quarterback hits and hurries. Uh, we get that. We know Max Crosby is going to show up. Is Unique Ngakwe going to play? Don't know. You know, I'm going to go and roll in it right now early Friday, and who knows, maybe we'll hear something later on today in the media session with John Gruden. Maybe he'll say, no, okay, he's ruled out. Maybe he'll be on the on the injury report as out, and then you'll know for a fact. I'm going to go with my gut feeling and say he's not going to play on Sunday. So who steps up? Cleve Furl? Is it going to be Solomon Thomas? Someone hit me up when I was on Raider Nation Radio 920 on Thursday and said, I think Solomon Thomas is going to step up. Okay, maybe he's going to step up. Maybe it's going to be Jonathan Hankins. Maybe it's going to be Darius Phylon. I mean, there's a lot of different options that the Raiders have, but somebody has got to step up and be that guy. Can Malcolm Kuntz, who didn't play on Monday, can he be a factor? You know, I'm not saying that he's going to do a lot of the heavy lifting, but can he go out there and, and make a couple plays? I've already said that I think Kuntz, 
defensively is going to give the Raiders a couple sacks here throughout the course of the season that's actually going to help them. Carl Nassib, you know, I know he's banged up a little bit. He's been limited throughout the course of practice this week. He had the big sack on Lamar Jackson, caused the fumble, you know, played a good game on Monday night. Can he can he do that again? Can he have another good game? Can he do that with more snaps if Ngakwe doesn't go? You know, those are the questions that I need to have answered. Can Trayvon Merrick, the guy that I think is going to be a defensive rookie of the year, can he play a better game than he played on Monday? Because he made, you know, he took a bad angle. Corey Littleton took a bad angle. Those are two guys that really need to step up. But Merrick being that starting free safety, man, he, he's got a lot on his shoulders. John Gruden said it multiple times. Gus Bradley's mentioned it. He's got to be able to be the eraser. He's got to be able to open, uh, open field tackles. He's got to be able to make those tackles. He's got to play that Earl Thomas role. Can he do that? That's going to be a big key. So, uh, again, last week I mentioned the trenches. That's something that uh, you got to really pay attention to. And so defensively, I'm going to say they got to get that pressure on Big Ben. They've got to make him uncomfortable for the Raiders to have a chance to win. And offensively, uh, starting fast, of course, but to start fast, that offensive line has got to come to play. And the Steelers got a couple dudes. <laughs> and when I mean dudes, I mean dudes. T.J. Watt, Cam Hayward, those are some tough cats. I mean, Cam Hayward's not Aaron Donald, but he's got Aaron Donald-like skills. You know, coming up the gut. He's going to bring a lot of pressure. Guys like Andre James, the interior, Illuminor. He's going to have a lot on his plate. You know, if Richie Incognito doesn't go, John Simpson's going to have a lot on his plate because, again, Hayward's going to bring the heat. And you know T.J. Watt. He can line up anywhere on the field and bring the heat. He is an absolute stud. He's going to get after it. He's the highest-paid defensive end in the league right now for a reason because he's just that stinking good. So this offensive line, Alex Leatherwood's going to be tested. I mean, they had a hell of a test on Monday against the Ravens, so that makes me feel pretty good. But, man, I mean, you want to talk about pressure. This is going to be a lot of pressure that they're going to have riding on their shoulders on uh, on Sunday morning because, man, uh, that's Pittsburgh Steelers' defensive line. They can really get after it, and they're good on all levels. You know, linebackers, corners, all of that. If there's anyone, and my guy Christopher Carter told me that, hey, Trey Norwood, the seventh-round pick out of Oklahoma, he's the one guy that you might look at and say, okay, you might be able to exploit that guy because he's still young, he's still learning the game, and if the Raiders could get nice matchups, then maybe he could be a dude that they could exploit. So look for Trey Norwood. You know, in, like in basketball, when you have a mismatch and you're in the paint, you say, mouse in the house, mouse in the house. Maybe uh, they can get that lined up against Trey Norwood and someone can yell out mouse in the house and they can, uh, they can, they can thrive. I don't know if Josh Jacobs is going to be available. If not, Kenyon Drake's going to have to go and do a lot of the heavy lifting. You know, maybe Barber is going to get in there and do some heavy lifting as well. Who knows? It's going to be a hell of a match on, on Sunday. I do believe it's going to be a tight game. Uh, I, I picked the Raiders to win by three points against the Ravens on Monday. They end up winning by six. I think that they win. I'm actually picking them to win, and I went back and forth. I, I debated this multiple times if I was going to pick them to win or not. Uh, at first, I was saying, no, they're going to take an L. But I'm going to go ahead and, and ride with them one more week and say that they, they win by three. And the ultimate deciding factor this time, last week, it was Raider Nation was going to help them get that three-point win. This week, I think it's going to be Kimani. And for those who are new to the, to the podcast, Kimani is my oldest son. Uh, he passed away in 2020, but uh, he's he's born on, on Sunday. 9-19-99 was his birthday. He was born on the day that Randy Moss and the Vikings uh, played the Raiders, and the Raiders won that game. And matter of fact, he didn't pop out until that game was over. He did his daddy a solid and didn't come out until that game was over. So that was uh, the first win in his, uh, in his lifetime. And then last year, he was not with us for his birthday, uh, but they played the Saints. And they played the Saints actually on the 21st. It was that Monday night football game at Allegiant Stadium, and they were able to get the victory 
victory that day. So that first day of his life, 9-19-99, they got the dub. And last year, uh, even though he wasn't with us, they got that, that victory. And a lot of folks hit up the podcast and said, hey, that was for uh, your son, you know, the original little Q, Kimani. And I said, yeah, I think you're right. So every year, it's about week two of the regular season. His birthday, we're going to say, is going to be Kimani's game. I'm going to name it Kimani's game. And I'm going to say that the Raiders are going to get that victory. He's going to help them get an extra three points on, uh, on Sunday. And I know some people are probably looking like, this dude doesn't really believe that, does he? No, I do. I absolutely do. I believe that he can give them the power of three points. He's looking down and rooting on his Raiders. There's, there's a couple things that he really, really loved in life. One, he loved his music. He loved sports, but he loved his Raiders, and he loved Las Vegas. So, <laughs> you know, so that, I mean, it's just it goes hand in hand. So uh, I'm not going to give you a, a sob story each and every year, but I will tell you that I will recognize Kimani each and every year on his birthday and also on January 22nd, 2020. That was uh, the day he passed away. And so, of course, I'll, I'll recognize it. I'll acknowledge it. I'm not going to run from it. I'm I'm not that guy, but I'll tell you right now, I'm going to coin this game as Kimani's game, and I think that on the strength of him and what he would want, they're going to get that three-point victory. So as I watch that game from the press box on uh, Sunday, it's going to be, you know, with a, obviously with a heavy heart, but at the same time, knowing what I do believe and, and knowing that when I walk away from, from Heinz Field and I get in that rental car and I head back to the airport and I head back to Las Vegas, I do believe I'll do it with a smile and know that, hey, Kimani's proud. So, uh, yeah, that's going to be the keys to the game, and that is what I'm coining the game from now on. Every single season, every year, as long as I'm alive and I'm doing this podcast or I'm doing a radio show, it's going to be Kimani's game. You know, the Raiders have a lot of games that have names. You know, some not so good, like the game against the Steelers, the immaculate, and I, you know, it's called reception, but I say it was deception because it wasn't a catch. The tuck rule, that was a bad one. They got the Heidi game. Now, because of me, because I'm calling it, and I just call it how I see it, they got the Kimani game. And Kimani's game is going to be this Sunday against the Steelers. So that's what I got for you for segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast, Keys to the Game, and the new name for every week two game for the Raiders from here on out. Coming up in segment number three, your calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. I do want to tell you about betonline.ag because as it is football season, college and pro, all eyes are on the game. And betonline.ag is your number one spot for the pro, pro game and the college game this season. You can get all your updated odds, props, contests. They got the half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest, the $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest, all at betonline.ag. Head to the website on your mobile device or your laptop. You can sign up today and receive a 100% welcome bonus. That's right. I said it, 100% welcome bonus. How do you do that? Got to use the promo code Locked On. And what does that mean? Some folks say, what does that mean? Well, it means if you put $500 into your account, you use the promo code Locked On, you can get an extra $500 on top of that. So who wouldn't want to play with 1000 bucks and you only are really spending 500 of your own? You could do that at betonline.ag. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, football, baseball, boxing, UFC, horse racing. They got it all. Don't wait. Take advantage of the great offers available for the 2021 season. Betonline.ag is your online sportsbook experts. Segment number three, it's on the way. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Your calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line. You know the number, 707-654-4693. Want to start things off with Raider Frank. He's calling in to talk about multiple nations, which we already know there's no such thing. And also want to know about Monday's experience from me from being at Allegiant Stadium. Here he is, Raider Frank. Hey Q, Raider Frank here, man. Uh, 
touch on that nation thing, man. There's only one nation in this Raider Nation. I think ESPN started that crap. We're trying to spread the whole nation thing around for all the sports team. I think it's bull, and it's just another thing they try to steal from the Raiders' greatness. Uh, for the Locked On family, man, I don't know if you touched on it or not, but uh, why don't you tell us what it was like to do your first game, man, the whole thing. man. I mean, how many times did you stop and pinch yourself? Like, like what was it like when you were done just to be like, wow, this just happened? I mean, we, we heard on the, on, on the show so many times, you know, your hard work and travels and well-deserved, you know, to get to where you're at, man. Tell us what it was like to finally go through that and game day, just the whole experience, man. One Nation, as always. Peace. There he goes, Raider Frank right there. Thank you so much, my man. Yeah, it's funny, man. Uh, it's funny when I hear other fans talk about nation this, nation that. We all know that thing doesn't exist, but, I mean, it's just it's just something, something cute that people try to do, and like I said, it's just cute. And uh, me and my guy, Christopher Carter, though, we have a good time going back and forth, and he knows I'm right. He just he has to represent. He has too much pressure from them Pittsburgh Steelers fans that he be talking to, so he tries to represent, but he knows damn well that I'm right. Uh, as far as my experience at the game on Monday, I'll tell you this, and I said it on the radio on Raider Nation Radio, Radio 920. I got a little emotional, man. I did. I got a little emotional just thinking about, you know, where I started out from and, and then how I, I got where I was on Monday morning, early in the morning at Allegiant Stadium. I mean, I'm a guy who used to walk across the bridge at the BART station to get to the Coliseum, me and my boy Daniel, just to go and watch the game. And now all of a sudden, not only am I watching the game, but I'm in Allegiant Stadium doing a radio show from there uh, on a radio station called Raider Nation Radio 920, and we're welcoming fans into the stadium. Like, there's never – no one could ever do that. I mean, I, I did it. It was the very first day that fans were ever in Allegiant Stadium, and that will never happen again because it will never be a first day again. So I can say that I honestly opened up Allegiant Stadium, and that's something that no one could ever take away from me. So, yeah, it was a little emotional, man. As I was walking up to the stadium, I started thinking about all that and started kind of tripping a little bit, but it's a good thing. It's a, it's a good uh, emotion right there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's the best way to describe it. I will say if you have a chance to go to Allegiant Stadium at some point, go and enjoy it. It's another chapter of Raider football. It's a great place great venue, a black stadium. I mean, everything is – It's there's nothing not to like about that place. It's loud, and it's just a fun place to be. So definitely go check it out. Thank you so much for that call. Up next, I got a text from my guy Mikey the Barber out the 916 out of Sacramento, California. What up, Q? It's Mikey the Barber. I was watching Monday's night game on my DVR and noticed a couple things. One, as much of a disruptor our edge rushers were, they were being held a lot. I remember specifically Yannick getting a damn chokehold by that left tackle on a play. The refs need to clean that nonsense up. I feel if the refs call a few holding penalties in the beginning of the game, it'll make the opposing offensive line play honest. I've been noticing this for quite some time. And two, this is more of a question. Did you see how Ngakwe got hurt? I noticed after that tackle for loss, he may have injured himself doing that baseball celebration. I saw him grab his right leg after the celebration and call for a sub, then went to the sideline. I just watched Mad Max Presser, and I loved his leadership, and he got something in his neck, as you always say when he speaks. I got fired up. That blank made me want to go heads up with a garbage truck, LOL. I hope we sit Jacobs this week if he ain't close to 100% because we need him healthy if we want to make a big push in the postseason. Let's see Viva Las Vegas get some burn. What are your thoughts? Stay suck-a-duckin' Q. One love, Raider Nation. That's from Mikey the Barber out the 916. As far as the holding penalties, I mean, there was a lot of times I saw not only Ngakwe but Crosby being held and it was never called. I don't understand what the deal with that is. I will say that all the Pittsburgh Steelers people I've talked to this week also said that there was a lot of Steelers that weren't getting the uh, the holding calls either, and so uh, that should be interesting to see what team gets holding calls, if there's some holding calls. But uh, as we all know, man, there's a lot of times that the officials don't call holding on a, on a Raider defender, but that's just that's been going on for a long time. Uh, I did notice what you mentioned with Ngakwe 
walkway. Uh, I thought he just went out for a breather and then noticed uh, later that he didn't go back in. And that was after someone hit me up on Twitter like, hey, man, how come Ngakwe's not in the game? And so, yeah, I mean, I don't know if he heard it doing the celebration or I don't know if it just got tightened up because, well, I mean, it's the first game of the season and those kind of injuries are going to happen. Uh, Mad Max, man, he's, he's ready to rock and roll. He's ready to go. I, I think he's going to be a different dude this year. I've been saying it for a long time. I know it sounds like I'm just repeating myself, but, man, that guy, he just he seems like he's playing with a purpose. I'm so excited about what he has to, you know, what he has coming up uh, this season. Of course, it would help if he has his tag team partner in Gakwe with him, but even if he doesn't, I still think he's going to be a major factor. Uh, and I don't know if Jacobs is, can go. He, he's got to go. I really do think that. I know that you want to save him and make sure he's available for uh, the, the stretch run and everything, but you're only one game into the season. You're going to need as many weapons as possible, as many guys. I'm not saying he's got to carry the rock 25 times, but if he can go and be effective, he's got to go out there, uh, be out there with Kenyon Drake, be out there with Barber. Maybe Trey Regis is ready to, to you know kind of play a role, but I'm not sure. That's something that the Raiders will have to decide in practice. But I think that Josh Jacobs, if he can go at all, he's definitely going to give it a try. We'll see what happens happens later on today in practice he hasn't play, he hasn't practiced all week we'll see if he's even limited today or if he's ruled out or John Gruden has anything to say I'll be something I ask him about as well so thank you so much for that text I appreciate you next up I got a call from Jordan Oregon he's calling to talk about Derek Carr and how the narrative is changing or has changed about DC here he is Jordan in Oregon hey what's going on Q Jordan in Oregon calling in here I just got me thinking man isn't it crazy how far we've come from with Derek Carr I mean, I, I just listening to your podcast with uh, Steelers, dude, and just hearing you kind of describe his his uh, season last year and hearing you talk about him kind of in the first week, it just really struck a nerve, and I wanted to call in. I mean, can you believe it, you know, in a couple of years, how, how the narrative among, you know, a lot of Raider Nation and just the national narrative, you can kind of feel it slowly switching. I noticed it. Well, after the Monday night game, of course, but even a little bit before that, you're just starting to feel like people are giving him a little bit more praise than what we've seen in the past. And maybe I just, I'm a football junkie, just like most people listen to this, but I, you know, just watching a wide spectrum of, of uh, different opinions, you're starting to get, hear a little love here and there for Carr. And it just got me thinking, Q, you got posed a question, is, is this the, the top of his game or if he can improve? And, Q, I, I honestly believe, you know, even that game last week is a good example of there's the first half Derek Carr and there's the second half Derek Carr. And, and honestly, they're like the tale of two stories. I think in the second half he was 22 or 24. He had a couple touchdowns throughout the second half in overtime. Just he played lights out. And then the, the first half you could see that there was a lot going on with the nerves. And, I mean, we've all seen him play enough to know some of those off-target throws and just, it just looked a little bit rushed, and you could just tell, just like all of us watching, he was shaking off some nerves. And, and Derek's done that throughout his career. It's nothing new. He's had games where you've seen this, you know, a high throw or a, maybe a little bit rushed or maybe not watching the play develop enough because he sees somebody open he just goes for it. Which, I mean, can you really blame him? He's, he's playing within the offense. He's not turning the ball over. But I guess where I'm going, Q, is I think there's the first half Derek Carr, there's the second half Derek Carr, and just like most stories that have two sides, there's something in between. And with Derek, I think that's what we got. I mean, we, odds are he's not going to uh, 22 or 24 every week. But odds are he's not going to have that type of first half he had. And, and Q, I've heard you say this before. We know what we have with Derek Carr. And there's at one point you were bringing up a reference, and I always thought it was a good way to put it, was 
he has come to the Raiders and stabilized that that quarterback situation. And I believe that's true. But I also do believe that we're starting to see him not only stabilize the quarterback situation, I think he's he's going to start becoming one of the elite quarterbacks in this league. And I look at him to kind of take over that pocket presence passer of like a Drew Brees or some of these guys that we've really grown up watching that have had a long career that we all look at and go, hey, that guy kicked ass. Anyway, you have a great week, bud. There he goes, Jordan in Oregon. Thank you for the call, my man. And, yeah, I'll say the narrative has changed amongst the media. I'll even say – I'll go a step further, Jordan. I'll say the narrative has changed a little bit with me. You know, I mean, there was a couple years ago, a couple seasons ago, not even 2020, I think 2019, I was saying that I thought Derek Carr peaked. I thought you kind of knew who he was, and, and he wasn't going to get any better, and then he improved in 2020. He was able to do some things with his legs. He was able to, you know, pick up more yards. He was able to understand the offense and get everybody lined up a little bit better, and you saw him and heard him make calls at the line of scrimmage. And so he improved. I actually expect him now to take another step further this year. And then Keyshawn Johnson comes out and calls him elite on ESPN on his morning show. And then some folks were like, ah, oh, come on. They poo-pooed on that. And then all of a sudden I heard some other media outlets saying Derek Carr's elite after they saw his performance on Monday. Now, I'm not going all the way to the level of him being elite, but I think he's a damn good quarterback. Does he have room to improve? Sure. I think that he needs to improve that pocket presence as far as, uh, you know, holding on to the rock. It's something that I've said multiple times throughout the offseason, the preseason, on the radio. To anyone who will hear me, I've said I think he needs to improve that. Just like I said last season, he needed to use his legs more, and he did. So, uh, I, yeah, I feel like this guy could take the Raiders to the playoffs, and, and who knows? Once you get into the dance, anything can happen, but uh, he could take that next step. And if he makes a deep playoff run, you might start talking about that elite conversation. So, yeah, I do think that the narrative has changed around Derek Carr. And like I said, I have no problem admitting saying I think I've changed my narrative on Derek Carr as well. So thank you so much for that call, my man. I appreciate you. Just got a couple more. Got a text from Raider Rob in Pittsburgh. Says, Q, Raider Rob from Pittsburgh, welcome to the Berg. The key to this game is to stay out of long downs. If they limit the false starts, delay of games, and holding penalties, they'll be fine. But that's a big if, considering they had several of those calls playing at home where the crowd noise was not a factor. More important, here's an open invitation to you and anybody else coming to the game. I just secured a parking pass for the game. Parking passes are scarce and are going up to and around $350. I'll be in Green 31 lot. It's on the side of Gate C, right across from the stadium, in between the Carnegie Science Center and the transit. Anybody coming to the game and don't have a parking pass, they are more than welcome to come tailgate with us. We'll have plenty of food and beverages. It's a smaller lot, so you should have no trouble in finding us. We'll have the Raider flag flying along with the Raider Nation banner. I'll be rocking my Crosby jersey. Q, I hope you can stop by before you go into the stadium. It'd be a blast to meet you. You also need to hit Permani Brothers on the south side. Probably didn't say that right. They are nationally famous for serving their sandwiches with fries and coleslaw on it. You won't regret it. Raider Nation, it's time to take over the Berg. Raiders. That's from Raider Rob in Pittsburgh. And yeah, I think that that's a big key to the game, the third and longs. Uh, you know, you don't want to get into that kind of situation where the Steelers could just pin their ears back and get after Derek Carr and again, attack that offensive line like I talked about in segment number two. And I don't know what time I'm going to get to the game. I'm going to try to get there as early as possible. Uh, I hear that parking is uh, very difficult. Uh, maybe even have to take a subway. Uh, that's what Christopher Carter was telling me. So uh, yeah, we'll work that out. And if I can get there early enough, I'll try to slide on by. Uh, but I can't probably promise anything because anytime I say that I'm going to go by somewhere somehow it's always crowded and I can't find anybody and then I never make it so uh, we'll see what happens but thank you for the invitation and Raider Nation you heard from Raider Rob if you're going to the game check him out he's going to be in the green lot is that right the green 31 lot on the side of gate c so check him out he's got the Raider flag and a Raider banner flying you can't miss him 
Up next, got a quick call from Raider Dave in Denver. He's calling to ask a question about Carr's performance Monday night. Here he is, Raider Dave in Denver. Thank you, Raider Dave in Denver. Just one question, one question only. How many quarterbacks in the NFL could do what Carr did Monday night? There he is, Raider Dave in Denver, short and sweet, right to the point, wants to know how many quarterbacks could have done what Derek Carr did Monday night. He threw for 400-plus yards. Uh, He brought the Raiders back. They only had 10 points at halftime. They ended up with 33 by the end of the game. Uh, Had to throw the rock 50-something times. And, you know, I'll say there's a handful of quarterbacks in the league that could have done it. Any quarterback, in my opinion, that's a really good quarterback. You know, one of the the top-tier quarterbacks. I mean, obviously the elite quarterbacks could have done it. Uh, The next-level quarterbacks could have done it. The ones that, like I said, are really good. I mean, I'm looking at Matt Stafford, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, of course, Aaron Rodgers, of course, Big Ben, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I got a couple in the maybe category, like Justin Herbert, maybe Dak, maybe Kyler Murray. Uh, Those guys haven't really done it yet, but I think any of those guys, that handful of guys that I mentioned, could have done what Derek Carr did for sure. But again, those are really good quarterbacks. That's not taking anything away from what DC did, because he did a hell of a job with not much of a run game going on Monday night, uh, with a very tough defense that he was playing, and he was able to do some things and I said Matt Stafford and I know he's a gunslinger I know he's able to get some yards he has had a lot of comebacks in his career that's why I put him in that category even though I'm not a big fan of Matt Stafford I don't really you know believe that he's a great quarterback he's not an elite quarterback even though some people try to say that he is so hopefully that helps answer the question thank you so much Raider Dave I appreciate you final text on the show today comes from Raider Bax from the 269 says yo Q Raider Bax here from the 269 Kazoo Michigan First, I thought it was hilarious that you beeped out Steeler, well, you know that word, during the crossover. Awesome crossover giving him the business. One thing I have to say about traveling to the East Coast and the recent struggles we have had, I think the fact that they practice at 7 a.m. during training camp will help them because that's basically kickoff time, which should help them. I think our wideouts have a bigger game this week. As you saw later in the game, we started killing it when Carr got them involved. From the game Monday, our offense had almost 500 yards even after that horrible start. So if they can start quick, I don't see any defense stopping us. Listening to Gangster Raiders say they didn't win because of Carr, I don't know what game he was watching. Dude missed early and then was on point the entire game, especially with the offensive line first game. Also, I really like what I saw from Abram and Hayward, and I think we should use Drake more to let Jacobs heal as well if they try and shut Waller down. We should see more from Foster. Have fun at the game, man. That's from Raider Bax from the 269. And uh, thank you so much for the text, my man. And, uh, yeah, I got to give Christopher Carr to the business, man. That's just what I do. That's how we get down. Uh, You know, I think that that could be a factor as far as the 7 a.m. training camp. It could help them in this game. Again, I don't think over the past few years that East Coast start time has really been as big of a deal as it was before, previously. Uh, I think Jack Del Rio started to get that thing turned around, and I don't think see it as that much of a of a you know situation anymore. And yeah, Gangster Raider, he just we all know he's not a car guy. I mean, he just isn't. And he did call back and say that he was wrong, and you know, just I don't know. He he just again, he's not a car guy. So you just gotta realize it is what it is. Uh, Abram Hayward, they played well. Uh, Jacobs, I, I think he's gonna go if he has if he can. Uh, we'll see. It's a toe injury, so I don't really know how much he can heal throughout the course of the season without just shutting him down for the whole season. You know. I mean, because it's going to get re-aggravated to toe. Just kind of is what it is. And I think Foster Moreau is going to have a, a, a bigger role moving forward with other teams trying to take Darren Waller out of the picture and double him and, and make sure that he doesn't get them for 10 catches like he did Baltimore on Monday night. So thank you so much for that text, man. I do appreciate you. And that's going to wrap it up for the show today and wrap it up for the show this week. So hopefully, Raider Nation, you have a great well, weekend. Enjoy the game on Sunday, early Sunday. Hopefully the Raiders are able to get that victory that we talked about. And then you can enjoy the rest of your football Sunday and uh, slide on into Monday and 
slide into work feeling good about yourself. But either way, whatever happens on Sunday, we'll be back here on the Locked On Raiders podcast on Monday to talk about it. It'll probably be a little bit later if you always check the podcast around 12.15 in the morning West Coast time. That's usually when I try to have it posted and updated. Uh, it probably won't be up there at that time because I'm probably going to get home pretty late from, uh, from Pittsburgh when I get back to town. But either way, it will be up on Monday early that morning, probably no later than 2, 2.30 at uh, West Coast time. So uh, look for it then, Raider Nation. I do appreciate all the all the feedback. I do appreciate all the support of the show. It's doing outstanding. Another year where the downloads are growing and growing and growing, and that's because of you, Raider Nation. So I definitely appreciate that. So until Monday, Raider Nation, stay safe, take care of yourselves, and as always, just win, baby.